The Pat Kenny Show on News Talk with Matter Private Network. During current restrictions, don't ignore your health concerns. Our expert team is ready to help. Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Good morning, Luke. Good morning, Pat. Now, uh, lots of science uh, this morning. Baricitinib. Uh, for COVID-19 as a treatment. Tell me more. Yeah, this is an interesting one. This is a drug that's been used for arthritis for quite a while. It's kind of a very potent anti-inflammatory drug. Uh, it targets a thing called JAK, J-A-K, strange word. That's a key sort of on switch in the immune system. And then they said, let's give it a go in COVID because it was anti-inflammatory. And as we know, COVID is an inflammatory disease. And they've just published a big phase three double blind placebo control trial gold standard trial, of course, is important. 101 centres, 12 countries. So it's amazing about the scale of it. And the good news is it works. It decreased deaths by 38.2%, which is a tremendous result, really, because obviously that's the big goal overall. And what they found, they gave it to people who were in hospital and they measured uh, the risk of ending on a ventilator and then progression all the way to, to death, of course. And it was very protective. So it's seen as a really important study because now there had been studies on this before. And as you may remember, we may have discussed the smaller scale studies, but this huge study really confirms it's a very potent add on now to the, the drugs they can use in hospitals. Now, you've been looking at the science of breakthrough infections because we know that people doubly vaccinated can actually contract COVID-19. But there's very good news, really, if you're double vaccinated. There is. They've looked very closely at people who, as you say, who have been vaccinated and then who get infected. Now, we know a certain number will pick up an infection after vaccination because of Delta, because it's so transmissible. And they followed really closely healthcare workers who had been vaccinated and then who had got reinfected with, with the virus, of course. And they measured lots of things in them. And they saw two very important things. But first of all, the duration of the symptoms was less. So that means even though they got infected, they had minor enough symptoms and their time with those symptoms was less. And probably more importantly, there was less virus shedding from them. So even though they had virus in their noses or whatever, there was less virus to shed. And that meant that even though they were infected, they were spreading it less. So again, evidence the vaccine's really working anyway. You know, so even though it isn't, isn't 100% in a sense, because the, the virus can break through sometimes. If it does break through, there's still a residual effect of the vaccine, if you will, which protects. And then what was very nice about was they looked at what's called um, tissue compartmentalization. Now, that's a, a technical term, where in your body does the virus go and it mainly stayed in the nose so it didn't progress into tissues basically and again mm-hmm. that meant the vaccine was doing its job in a sense so in other words our, our fear now of breakthrough infections has lessened because of that study because even though it does happen there's still some protection going on basically yeah uh, and obviously the whole question of boosters which we've talked about um the waning efficacy of double vaccination in various age cohorts, for example, will determine whether or not a booster is needed uh, to to make sure that the breakthrough infections, when they occur, are minor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then in fact, remember, Pat, that the booster, the third shot, is a really powerful way to get the immune system going. You know, there's no doubt that will cause a massive protection, you see. And again, even if those people after the third shot pick up an infection, there's a very low chance they'll progress to severe disease. And of course, we do want to give the vulnerable the booster just in case. It's kind of um, erring on the side of caution is what's happening there in a sense, you know. And they're talking about the over 65s and it should be the over 60s, we think, should be the ultimate goal there to start vaccinating that group. And, and that will really give them great protection. Now, um, we've been theorising about this for some time, the idea that if you, you know, you're a GP or a teacher and you're exposed to the common cold, which is a coronavirus, and maybe over and over again and diff- different variations uh, over the years, 
Could you be protected from the coronavirus, from COVID-19? What's the story? Yeah, this, this, um, I mean, this really tells you how great science can be, Fatna says. When we make a discovery in science, it's great. And my lab will make a discovery, we'll publish it. What's really important is reproducibility. Can another lab reproduce your findings? And then you begin to say this is correct. You know, in other words, science is a massive body of evidence all combined, you know. And as you say, even I think a year ago we discussed this, there was some evidence the common cold might protect a bit against COVID. And then the reason for that is one-fifth of colds are caused by coronaviruses and they're similar, you know, they're on the one family. So the question would be, would the common cold perhaps give you protection? And now this big study just come out has shown exactly that. So in other words, they, they looked at, they, they took samples from people who'd never been exposed to the virus uh, and they had T-cells that could recognise SARS-CoV-2. There was what's called cross-protection, if you see what I mean. Now the reason for this is, Pat, all, all the family of viruses share the same thing, you know. And if you had a common cold, you will have T-cells against the common cold and that will recognise a similar part in SARS-CoV-2 and give you some protection. And now the evidence suggests this is the case. And they've identified the part of the spike that's shared among all the different family members, if you like. What they showed was about 20% of people who had never been exposed to SARS-CoV-2 had T-cells that could fight SARS-CoV-2 because they'd been fighting the coronavirus, you know. And then the ones who had been infected, 50 to 60% had these T-cells and the vaccine really was effective. 97% of people had T-cells that could react with any coronavirus, if you see what I mean. In other words, that really gets mm-hmm. the T-cells going. So, so in other words, there is evidence. And of course, part of what's important here is this may explain why in many people it's a mild disease. It's because you've already had a cold and that gives you some protection against COVID, you see. And then Maybe one in five people are like that. And the other very important part was the, these what are called cross-reactive, cross-protective T-cells. They, again, they go off. There's less of them as you get older. And that may be another reason why older people are more at risk because, the, in other words, their immunity against the common cold has waned over as they get older and they haven't got that built-in protection. So there's a few things in that study that really are important. Um, text here why would you push for 12 to 18 year olds to be vaccinated when the data has shown that the benefits to this age group is infinitesimally small so much so to be negligible Ireland has forgotten that this is a pandemic when you hog vaccines and don't give them to those who need them most you not only prolong but exacerbate the problem Uh, maybe Luke can educate you on this well, no, there is a. I mean, the UK have decided not to do the 12, 15 year olds. You see, they're, they're booking the trend. I think two countries aren't doing that. Many are. Ireland are. And there is a case there, actually. I can, I can hear what that person's saying. The, the reason you do it is just to try and get rid of the virus more and more from our communities. That's the main reason. Because as, as the person is saying, it's a very minor disease in that age group. You know, it's very mild. Uh, and, and then, of course, the vaccine itself brings them a tiny risk of certain things, very small risk, of course. But overall, many health authorities said, no, no, let's do the over 12s because it will help us get really to eliminate this virus. And what's very important about it is you won't need to vaccinate the under 12s because, again, as we discussed last week, the more you vaccinate over 12, the more spread there will be into the younger age groups, you know. So, again, the main reason to do it is to try to eliminate the virus from the population as much as possible. Now, many people are nervous about all sorts of things, uh, you know, getting back to normal, including maybe taking a taxi. But there is a kind of a scientific protocol you might employ that will keep you safer. There is. This is a great one. You, you sort of just give you credit for that. So in other words, which windows should you open in a taxi or in a car, right? And it turns out not to be the one beside you. So open the window opposite you, you know? And let's say the taxi driver's in the front, the window opposite him she, or she should open. The person in the back is the one opposite them. And this creates what they call a curtain of air. 
between you and the driver because you get this sort of a diagonal effect, you know, and that air then, that curtain of air then will stop the virus spreading between you and the person on the front seat. And that, that was very clever, isn't it, in a way? And it kind of goes against, com- not quite common sense, but you might have been better winding down your own window. But if you wind down the other window, it'll create a current of air through the car and that will then protect you from spreading the virus from, from you to the person in front or vice versa. Mm. Now, you're a great man for the music. If you were in the UK and you could have gone to that festival, would you have go- Would you go? I would, yes. I think I would. Then again, I'm going to tarnish this. <laughs> well, I mean, it was following, I believe, mind you, have a look at the details. Of the it seemed as if that festival was following all the guidelines, wasn't it? It seemed to be a safe environment, you know, and, the, and, people, and I think if, if, if he'd gone next weekend, there wouldn't have been a problem. Well, the fact, because the, the regulations would have shifted in Ireland to mm-hmm. be like it is in the UK, I think, you know, so it's a, it's a bit of a, an unfortunate but, one. But you, you can imagine the headlines. Professor Luke O'Neill well, enjoying right. himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wear a disguise, maybe. Is that the answer? That's a bit strange. Isn't it? <laughs> All right. Uh, Luke, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Uh, Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. 